Welcome to The Greatest Lakes, a community-driven podcast about the five greatest lakes in the world, North America's Great Lakes. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Weekly Great Lakes update for August 2nd, 2019. Temperatures in the Great Lakes Basin generally ranged from near average to slightly above average last weekend, and those temperatures continued through Wednesday. Daily high temperatures ranged from the mid-70s to low 90s degrees Fahrenheit in the region. Much of the region saw considerable precipitation on Monday. However, Great Lakes Basin precipitation was 17% below average uh, in July, the first month since March that the Great Lakes experienced below average precipitation. This weekend, temperatures in the Great Lakes Basin are projected to remain near average. Most of the region is expected to be dry over the weekend, but there is a chance of rain on Sunday and Monday. The water levels of the Great Lakes continue to be considerably above average. Forecasted levels for Lakes Superior, St. Clair, Erie, and Ontario for August 2nd exceed their record high August monthly mean levels by one to six inches, while Lake Michigan Huron's projected level for August 2nd is two inches shy of its high August monthly mean record. The Great Lakes are either nearing or nearing their seasonal peaks or have already started their seasonal decline. The forecasted water level for August 2nd for Lakes Michigan Huron, Erie, and Ontario are one, three, and seven inches respectively below their levels of a month ago. Lake Superior's level is an inch above what it was a month ago, whereas Lake St. Clair is near its level of a month ago. Looking a month into the future, Lake Superior, Michigan Huron, St. Clair, Erie, and Ontario are projected to be one, two, five, seven, and 11 inches respectively below their current levels. Now the Great Lakes shipping news brought to us by Boatner.com. First story from Cleveland, Ohio, reporting from the Lake Carriers Association that the U.S. economy lost more than $1 billion in business revenue and 5,421 jobs due to inadequate icebreaking capabilities on the Great Lakes during the 2018-2019 winter season. Due to this loss of business revenue, the federal government missed out on more than $125 million in taxes, and in addition, four, sorry, $46 million was lost by state and local governments. For perspective, that loss means the U.S. government could build a new Great Lakes icebreaker and recoup those costs in two years. Our next story comes out of Duluth, Minnesota. The William A. Irvin Duluth's floating museum ship was moved into dry dock at Fraser Shipyards in Superior on Thursday morning. The retired Laker is expected to spend about the next four weeks undergoing repairs, causing one of Duluth's most popular tourist attractions to miss a second season of operation. The 611-foot-long vessel, a former member of the U.S. Steel Fleet, was forced to leave its long-held mooring at Minnesota Slip last summer to make way for crews that spent months shoring up failing seawalls and capping contaminated submerged sediments that had accumulated over years of port operations. The Duluth Entertainment Convention Center, which owns and operates the Irvin, decided to make use of its displacement as an opportunity to tackle some deferred maintenance, including the repainting of its corroded steel hull. But the work has encountered delays as the vessel had to wait its place in line at Fraser behind other working 
Lakers in need of repairs, including the Arthur N. Anderson, which recently returned to service. That story coming to us from the Duluth News Tribune. Moving to Ontario in Kingston, after years of the property being in the hands of a local developer, Kingston's Marine Museum will once again reopen on Ontario Street. Earlier this year, developer Jay Patry put the former museum's property up for sale three years after buying the historic building on the shore of Lake Ontario with the intent to replace it with a 20-story residential tower. On Monday, the Marine Museum of the Great Lakes at Kingston announced they had bought the property at 55 Ontario Street back thanks to a donation from a benefactor who they would not name. Chris West would not divulge how much was donated, but he did say that when reopened, the museum will be bigger and better than before. Quoting, while the mission of the Marine Museum will remain unchanged, the new Marine Museum will have a much expanded role relative to its predecessor, one that will provide a far greater benefit to the Kingston community and its visitors, said West. After two and a half year layup due to economic conditions, the steamer Arthur M. Anderson was downbound at Sault Ste. Marie on, on Saturday around 11 a.m., leaving anyone within earshot knowing she was back. After she left the pole lock, she saluted the supply boat Ojibwe on Osborne campground and sounded her horn with two salutes at Mission Point. As she passed through the rock cut, she sounded two more. The Anderson has been in dry dock in Superior, Wisconsin, undergoing a refit and repaint. The ship is notable for playing a big role in Great Lakes history. The Anderson was the last to make contact with the Edmund Fitzgerald before she sank in 1975. That's the news for the week brought to us by Boatner.com. You can find out more about all of these stories at Boatner.com. other news around the Great Lakes from the Capital News Service in Lansing, Michigan. The American white pelican has established a nest hold in western Lake Erie for the first time, with prospects of future territorial expansion into Lakes Huron and Ontario, according to a new study. The species is, quote, undergoing a dramatic expansion of its breeding range in North America, unquote, the study published in the journal Ontario Birds said. Again, quoting, the nesting on Lake Erie, so far from the colony sites in Lake Michigan and Lake Superior seems unusual. Why such a large dispersal dispersal from the nearest breeding colony 550 kilometers away?" Unquote. Historically, the birds breed in the prairie provinces, western Minnesota, extreme northwestern Ontario, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Elsewhere in the Great Lakes region, the birds also nest at Lake of the Woods on the Ontario-Minnesota border and at Ontario's Lake Nipigon and Lexol. MLive.com is reporting that this year's drownings on the Great Lakes are ahead of last year at this time, with Lake Michigan again having the most drownings. As of July 28, 2019, the Great Lakes have had 51 fatalities from drowning, which is two more fatalities to date than 2018. Even more alarming is the number of drowning fatalities so far on Lake Michigan alone. 27 people have died from drowning in Lake Michigan so far this year. At this point last year, 15 people had drowned in Lake Michigan. On the other Great Lakes, drownings to date are at two on Lake Superior, five on Lake Huron, 11 plus one missing boater on Lake Erie, and six on Lake Ontario.
That's it for this week's episode of The Greatest Lakes Podcast. We'd love to hear your stories about the Great Lakes and the Great Lakes region. You can use the voice message feature, a link to which is found in the show notes. For the rest of the world, these are the Great Lakes. For those of us who live and work here, they're the Greatest Lakes. See you next week. Thank you.